Hey, you, Prime members, you can listen to Three Little Words ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. This podcast is brought to you by Quorn, the nation's favourite meat-free brand. Quorn is a great partner for this show because I personally haven't eaten meat for 35 years, so Quorn has been a great source of protein for me. For every podcast, Tony gives us a, a quat. A, not quat. A quat. I, I know, I can't get it. Yeah, I should be no, able to say it's a I mixture between the word fact and quat, yeah. so it's a quat. Yeah, a quat, yeah. Okay, Tony, what's the one for this app? This EPS quack is that not only does quorn protein not contain cholesterol, the University of Exeter has published research that shows that quorn's protein can actually lower cholesterol. I believe everyone should eat less meat. It'll bring so many benefits both to your health and the environment. And if that's something that you're planning on doing, you'll find that quorn is a great option. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hello everybody, welcome to Three Little Ways with me, John Bishop. Tony Pitts and our guest today is actor, writer, photographer and all-round legend as far as Bert on Trent is concerned. <laughs> <laughs> it's Paddy Constantine. No, Constantine. No, we've just had a big debate about this. <laughs> no, no, there's no debate. You've just fucking got his name no, wrong. No, 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 because the people haven't heard what we've been saying before. No. You've worked with Paddy for years. You got his name wrong. Yeah, uh, yeah well, I did. Yes, I did. Yeah, all right. Well, I fucking know where to go then. Ever I've been called, but it's it's a D. All right, is I've been calling Paddy for for the all the years I've known him. I've never been pulled up by anybody, including him, Paddy Considine. Paddy Considine. Yeah. The correct pronunciation is Paddy Considine. Yep, that's correct. Yeah. Whereas yeah. you've been calling him Paddy Constanstons. No, no, Paddy, I, can, I, I, I Paddy Canongate. I have done that thing where I've dropped in the odd letter, but I can't work out where yeah. I've dropped the yeah, letter. Yeah, you've added the T, I think. <laughs> I think people get mixed up with Constantine or something like yeah. Constantine. Yeah, yeah, who introduced th- Christianity th- th- into th- the West. To be fair, Paddy, it's not... I don't know anyone with that surname apart from you. I'm, I'm just <laughs> interested because it is one of those things, particularly when you're in the arts and you're a performer... Yeah. It's not a thing very often now that people change the names for the job. When you think about it, most people now enter the profession and because yeah. we haven't got that bit of somebody already having the name, no one thinks about it. So you carry that name with you. But as you said just before we started recording, people do get your name wrong. Has yeah. there ever been a point where you thought, oh, this is a pain in the ass, I'm just going to call myself Paddy Jones, it's just easier? I just, no, I, I just left it. Like, But people do constantly get it wrong. And like I said, when we were off air, I tried to correct somebody once on 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 a radio show, <laughs> and they looked quite offended. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That I corrected them on the pronunciation yeah. of my surname, so I just kind of let people get on with it. Paddy. <laughs> I think one day yeah. it might. Yeah, pa- Paddy, will do. Paddy the, will do. But that is the thing. Like as you say, you've known each other for a long time, so you never call any of your friends by the same name. No, no, no. No, no. Of, no but I do you though, bizarrely. I know, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But that's but that, in a very particular way. I call you John, John Bishop, Bishop. Come here, yeah, John Bishop. Your TV's John Bishop. Yeah, yeah I do. <laughs> that, that, enti- that separate entity. Anyway, so, so Paddy, that's his name. Yeah, Paddy. That, thanks. We've got thanks seven for, minutes left. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for coming on the show. Um, and I mentioned that in the introduction about legend from Bert on Trent because when I asked you, you, you travelled down there today from there, and that's where you're from. Yeah. Were you never drawn to? to live down here was it always you had to be back home yeah it never really bothered me i moved to brighton to do my college degree and then um i got my first acting job and i was living in a bed sit in brighton and with what money i little money i got from that i, I just moved back to burton on trank so i was paying so much rent in brighton yeah. but as far as so it was it was more monetary than anything else because I spent most of my life wanting to get out of there, you know, and aspire to get beyond the, the well, walls. Well, that's why I asked the know? question, because it is a, a natural theme for people, particularly going into the arts and stuff, and particularly wanting to be an actor from an environment like that, that you want to get away. Yeah. Going back is not what everyone does. Yeah, that's true. 
I don't think I ever really left John no, at some yeah. stage. You didn't, you didn't really. It's interesting to me because there's, um, I think, well, it's probably a good time as any to state my claim here. So I regard Paddy as one of the closest people in my life that I've ever met. So um, there's a real strong connection with Paddy. And he's, um, Richard Hall is another dear friend of mine. And we talk of this often. Richard and I are from. Sheffield, same place, same time, pretty much, and he stayed, and I left. And uh, I wonder what's braver, the place of my birth, culturally, and the, uh, the, they were one of the massive things that drove me through life. Because I think when you're young, you don't know necessarily what you want, but you know what you don't want. Mm -hmm. So I think staying takes a bit of backbone. Yeah, I think so too. It, it was a strange thing growing up because, like. Our school, where it's situated on, on top of the hill um, from this Evershed building in Windsor, where I grew up, all, all, all you could see was the sort of, um, you know, the edges of town, and it was all just factories. Yeah, waiting for uh, you. You know, and I, I definitely got that sense uh, as a teenager, looking out those windows and seeing the smoke coming from towers, yeah. and, I, and I thought, that's where I'm going to end up. Yeah. So I always had this this feeling that I wanted to get beyond that somehow, and I didn't know how then at all. Um, and we had a teacher at the time, and he he sort of he was a lovely guy, really. But he he accuse you of window gazing, you know, and pull you in. But it's like Frankie Boyle said this once as well. He said, well, you, "You want not really window gazing or daydreaming. You, you're you're thinking." You, you, mm. and, and I was constantly there thinking, "How do I get beyond beyond the smoke?" This, and it wasn't so much beyond the town. It was sort of like, "How do I get beyond the parameters of well, my, the, uh, yeah, the well, the the what the life that's down for you." That uh, otherness to uh, people around you uh, can be—you uh, think you're better than. Yeah. So that and that's uh, that's difficult, cause, and I think that's something that you negotiate with. I've continued to have that. Yeah. That feeling of when I go back, definitely it's. Uh, and, and that's not true. No. I, I really don't think I'm better than anybody. No. Um, I just had different aspirations to to people around me and the people that I that I grew up with. Yeah, I mean, the, the reality is you're now an actor who lives in Bairn Trent and other kids who might aspire to be an actor and, and, and might see you in the local Tesco's also see you in a drama on telly go, all right, that's, that's not of the other world. That's of this world as well. Hopefully. Yeah. That people would, would oh, get a sense certainly, of that. Yeah, certainly. I, well, I, grew, so. I didn't know any writers or actors or directors yeah. in my circle. There were. Uh, um, I, I think maybe if you do go to Tesco's, take a quill. Just walk around <laughs> and go, forsooth! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Forsooth! Yeah. That doth be a bottle of death. Yeah. <laughs> that, 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 might, that might bring it out when they can. I, I never get. I never really get recognised. And I mm. never really get people what, bothered uh, or in coming up to me. Yeah, not really. No, can I just ask you that? And this is a question actually for you both before we get on to your first word, because it is an interesting thing. When you're a character actor, so people, you know, you've been through that soap experience, Tony, but when you're popping up as a different thing all yeah. the time, is that not a sense of how well you do your job, that the real you doesn't get recognised? I'd hope so, yeah. I think that's what I've been getting away with for, for all this time. Do you know what it is? I'll tell you what that is. It's it's just time. My experience, but I'll see if it's shared with you, Paddy. My experience is if I go, if I'm in a shop somewhere for one minute, they'll th they'll think they were at school at me. They were my class at school, or I'm vaguely... But if I, I just go, and I've gone, and they're not sure. If you stay somewhere any length of time... Then you'll get the different constituencies. So you'll get the peakies, the peaky constituencies yeah, will find you. Yeah, you've got an amazing film career, and you're the thing that you've got. Uh, it's not unique, but it's extraordinarily rare. Is the films that you've done, the roles that you've played, mean an extraordinary amount to people to the extent where they're tattooed on their bodies. Yeah, don't they? Yeah. I mean, I have the same thing with John. I'm kind of a filter for both of you, but particularly you. People's access point to me often is to tell me how fucking great you are. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? Without any... Uh, in Dead Man's Shoes is absolutely amazing. Does it do your fucking but, head? Oh, yeah, I feel like fucking tearing the face off. <laughs> yeah, that's just ego, though, right? Yeah. But, yeah, yeah, but... You, it, it's it's, it's Tony's eulogy Tony to Paddy, which is a yeah. lovely thing. And, and, and obviously, when anybody compliments somebody else... Yeah, it's a bit... You sort of, and it's a mate, you kind of... Oh, oh well, thanks... But 
you know, from what I read about you, you didn't go to college to do acting, you went no. to do photography. Yeah. So, so, number one, how did you get into it? Why did you get into it? And number two, do you recognise what's being said in terms of... Like, if you're a fast runner... Yeah. You know you're a fast runner because you beat everybody. Yeah, yeah. If you're an actor, if you're a fighter, if the yeah, yeah, yeah. you you've punched him. Yeah, and I've and I've seen I've seen Jenny Man and so on. There's, there's, there's a bit with physicality defines certain things, but when mm-hmm. you're an actor, it can be subjective until there's moments of brilliance where people go, well, like I saw you in Ferryman, and you go, well, you know, there's nothing to say about that. It's that's just brilliant. Mm-hmm. But sometimes. That's very hard to to recognise in yourself. Hard to quantify. Well, just just while we're on this train, I absolutely um, am the opposite of that within myself. I think I'm the worst actor on the planet, and my self esteem is so low that I can't watch a few seconds of myself in anything because I think I'm absolutely awful so why would you choose to direct yourself because i have in a way i mean arriving at journeyman is a bit of a longer story really but there's a there's a thing in me john that i i'm always running from this thing that i have inside me that i feel is trying to destroy me you know and, and it's the ego really and it's trying to rob me of every opportunity and every challenge and i feel like if i don't meet this thing then it's gonna eat me alive and and destroy my life and i haven't yet found a way to deal with it i know what it is now i know what this thing is and it, and it will talk me out of anything it'll stop me it'll yeah. try and stop me coming here today to do this podcast with you guys i i already sent tony a message and said <laughs> uh i I'm, i don't think i'm gonna make it you know mate and this was tuesday it will talk me out of everything. If I get given a role, I will convince myself that several other people are better for this role than I am. Um, <laughs> like the ferryman was one that um, that I read that script, and the minute I read it, my whole being knew that it was something that I had to do. But my ego went fucking leg it, yeah. Yeah. and I went, but I can't. I'll never be able to live with myself, and I keep coming up against that time and time again. And for people who don't know, like that—that's a play, so it's different than a film. It's different than a television drama. Yeah, it's a play where you're doing it every night. So if you have got any self-doubt, you face it every single day. And then it went yeah. on to Broadway, which yeah. is a higher platform. So you've got to face that continuously. Yeah, this thing that you're running away from, then that's eating you. I mean, are you winning or? I'm sometimes on, more on top of it than others. I have these moments of, of confidence. And so I'll accept the role and I'll be very flattered that they've come to me for it. And But it doesn't take long then for the doubt to come back in and then begins this sort of battle that I have with it until the time that I'm actually on set and doing it. And at some point during that process, I'm doing it now. So I may as well just get yeah, on yeah. with it. But th- so if you are committed to something like a long run, like like the ferryman, does that play in your mind? Do you think right, okay, I can I can do this television thing or this film thing. A few days, I'll get out, and I've just got to be brave for a few days. Or do you think right, if I get into a gig where I'm doing it every single night, I can get over the hurdle and enjoy it more? Yeah, because like going back earlier, John, when you talked about me not having an education in acting, I wanted to be an actor. I wanted to be a musician as a teenager. And I went on a college course and I left after a year. So, And I had no aspirations to be an actor again, really. I, I never thought of of looking at it. But Ferryman was my yeah. acting school. Yeah. Ferryman was my education. Yeah. I felt because I never came to acting through any kind of schooling. I won't say that I don't have any talent. That's not true. But I, I, I've always thought with acting there's something missing from my game. And I always thought there was a, a part of it that I'd never quite understood. And I thought if I could learn what that part of the game was, maybe it would strengthen me as an actor. I think I lacked technique. Yes. I never learned a technique. Yeah. And... I had people saying to me, yeah, but if you learn technique, you'll lose everything. And I'm going, I don't believe that. When Manny Pacquiao learnt more technique, he yes. became, like, phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't believe that. It was never going to take anything away. It was just going to help help me. 
find out what it was that I felt was missing because I'd look at things that I'd done. Um, you know, I'd see things on television when I used to have a little peek and I'd do a scene with people and I looked like I was on a different planet in my mind. I was going, well, how come they look like they're in it and they're acting and I look like I'm a fucking alien yeah. from outer space. And I'm going, I don't understand what's missing between myself, the camera and transmission that they have that I, I don't. So I was more looking at what I was missing, but the ferryman gave me an education. It gave me a fast track, full on punch in the face, you know, to, to, to get through it all. And I had a great coach, Tony. Sam Mendes directed it and he was the greatest coach I could have ever asked for. Yeah. He was amazing with me because he knew why I was there. And he said to me one day in rehearsals, he goes, do you even want to do this play? Do you even want to be up there? And I went, no, I fucking don't. And he says, well, why are you here? And it was a bit like an officer and a gentleman, you know, when I've got no fucking choice, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. I've got, I haven't got anything else. Yeah. And he knew it and he saw, he saw that part of me that was the fear <clears throat> part and he took me through it and, and I will be forever indebted to that man for what he did with me. It was amazing. I went through that experience, well, gone through all the experiences with you through via text and stuff with you. When you're talking about, again, it's difficult because I know you so well, but that thing about... Um, not having uh, belief and thinking you're terrible and the, where the esteem is and stuff. This has been a common thread with some people that's coming mm -hmm. here. What I think is that the universe tells you repeatedly what the real case is. So in, in a way, I think the only chance you've got a sort of uh, any sort of peace with that is you've got to accept that in a way your talent's not really got anything to do with you. Yeah, that's true. Do you understand? So that's it, important. Because yeah. the art isn't in you. No. And it's, not, and it's not in the camera and it's not in the audience. It's when those things meet. Yeah. So if you're putting stuff out into the world... And it's not being received. That's right. The frustration that I feel with Paddy is extraordinary because it's... I, I don't know what a good analogy would be, but you said something tangible like a runner or a boxer. So let's say if Paddy was a boxer and, his, and we had this relationship and he was world champion and he was knocking everybody out and everybody you met said, your mate's the best fighter I've ever seen, he's an amazing fighter. And he's sending me texts saying, I can't fight. I just look at your belts. Mm -hmm. You look at your belts and look at what's coming that way, I think is what it is, rather than what's coming from inside. Yeah, Things yeah. that come in towards you. I think you learn to and i don't know if you even have this on stage john but sometimes you you you've, i'm finding now okay the more i get through life i'm going you, you have to let go yeah. it's when you let go that the good stuff happens That's when right. you're clinging when you're in your own head when you're trying to make a scene work when you're trying to make a, a script work yeah that's where the block is that like when you just let go my wife's seen it in my performances recently she because i can tell you just jumped in there with both feet mm, i said yeah. yeah i just let go yeah it's the flow. Just, 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 just even physically, as you're saying that, you're clenching fists and then letting go. And yeah. you, everything's more relaxed when you do that. Yeah. Listen, I mean, at some point we've got to actually. <laughs> What's right? your first word? Yeah, <laughs> blame yeah. him. Yeah, I'm sorry. Okay, so Paddy, your first word is my first word is simpleton. Simpleton. So we're going to rattle through it. So the etymology of the word, uh, it's from uh, French. In 1200, it meant free from duplicity, upright, guileless, blameless, innocent, that sense. And then by 1640 and 1650, it had come into a person who is felt to be deficient in judgment, good sense or intelligence. Simpletons in folklore, so throughout history, throughout every culture, at every time, there have been tales in every culture that I've looked into. There's a simpleton features in various guises and in different countries at different times. I mean, there's a village near Nottingham called Gotham. Do you know it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, so, yeah. so, so people used to be called Gothamites because in, uh, in England uh, in the medieval ages, everybody from Gotham was regarded as a simpleton. Mm -hmm. And then that you can follow that to Greece and to Spain and Germany. There's always one lot of people that in Spain or, that regarded as being simple or foolish people. But then uh, in the quotes, I'll just catch you, uh, the important uh, point, I think, about simpletons. There's two quotes. One's Tennessee Williams. In human character, simplicity doesn't exist except among simpletons. And then Balzac said, for passion to be observed, it brings insight with it. It can give a sort of intelligence to simpletons, fools and idiots, especially during youth. And I think that there's a... I'd be interested to hear what you're taking it, because simpletons and fools also 
or throughout all time have been thought to carry a truth and an intelligence beyond something that we can quantify. So why did you choose the word simpleton? That's really interesting, Tony, because that's not the, the context that I received it mm -hmm. in. You know, the first time I ever heard that word, it was a headmaster that had had me in his office for, I can't remember that particular incident, but um, he had me in his office and he'd opened a book, which I think was a dictionary, and he read words from it and asked me to repeat them back to him. And one of them was dunce, you know, so repeat this, I'm a dunce, and I went, I'm a dunce, I'm, a, I'm an idiot, I'm an idiot. And I just remember this one more than anything else because I was like, I, I must have been about eight or nine years old, maybe. And I looked up at him and he said, simpleton. And I can still remember his lips looking up at this guy. And I repeated it, I went, simpleton. And he said something on the lines of, you are all of these things, you know? Wow. And um, I knew he was belittling me. You know, it wasn't a sort of uh, an it's encouraging... It's a creative belittling. I mean, that's an educated belittling. That's yeah. the cruelty of that. That's yeah. a practice belittling. I remember a similar age being taken into the headmaster's office. And when I think about it now, it was much less cruel because he just pointed to a stick. Yeah, and yeah. he said, I will hit you with that if you carry on behaving the way you are. I went, okay, sir, and that was the end of it. That was kind of like a parameter. This is the cane, this is what we're going to do. Whereas with you, that was seeding something deep and psychological yeah, that could have in. been really damaging to somebody at that age. I think it was in a way. Well, I mean, I don't want to call this man out, but it did affect me badly, you know, and... I, I I remember being a kid, with, as far as my school life is concerned, when the world changed for me. And it was an incident in the schoolyard. There was a girl at our school and she had sort of a disfigurement of her mouth. And she had like, um, her veins were sort of up and blue and she had this sort of dis disfigurement. And no one ever bothered her, you know, no one ever pointed anything out. So I thought, and then I saw her being bullied one day. And I knew one of the kids bullying her from my street. So I went over... And I said, hey, whatever his name was, I said, I said leave her alone. And I, I looked at this kid as well as if to be like, that's not like you. I know you and you're not. Yeah, what are you doing? You're not like you that. Doing? Why are you picking on her? But I went over and she was there with a friend and they went away, you know. They walked off. The bullies? Yeah. And I said to the girl, are you all right? And she went, yeah. I said, okay. And honestly, I walked away from that moment high as a kite. Yeah, I was Superman at last, yes. you know. yes. And I was in my next lesson and there was a, you know, a kid came in and said, uh, the headmaster, I won't name him, wants to see Patrick Considine. And I stood up and I honestly thought, at last, this fucking guy's going to see me. For who you are. For who I really am, right? And I went into his office and the, the girl with the sort of disfigurement wasn't there. I don't know what else to call it, really, but a friend was. And... He got me in there and he said, uh, someone's been a bully, haven't they? And I'm there. Yes, they have. Yes, yeah, someone's been picking on people who are, whatever the word he used at the time, disadvantaged. And I said, yeah, they have. It was you, wasn't it? Oh. And I said, no, no. Injustice. I said, no, it wasn't me. He went, bend over. And he got a fucking slipper and spanked me in front of this girl. And I looked at this girl and I was looking for it and I said, you were there. I said, I said, silence. Oh, my God. Just, just absolute silence. I mean, she was a kid. She could have been afraid, but I was a kid too. And, I, and he slipped me, the slipper didn't hurt, but I was heartbroken. Yes. And then after that day, I went, oh, okay, that's how the fucking world works, yeah, is it? injustice prevails. And I just became so troublesome. So when you said that's how the world works... Injustice or bullying's the way forward, or it, you'll the, never be seen. Why step in? Yeah, it was almost like a bit of, bit of a couple of those things, John, I, really. I think uh, injustice, because yeah. uh, I know how that still angers you. Yeah, yeah. It angers you very much. But I think that what I, I think the main thing there that I think, because I think that's pivotal that moment, this isn't a little story from the school playground. No. I can tell, I could see when you were telling. When you said it, I tell you what, it's the injustice of being misrepresented. Yeah. And if you're not being listened to as a child, that puts that thing of 
wanting to communicate and want to you make you're a, Paddy's a filmmaker I think uh, as much as an actor you, you, you spend well I've certainly spent the rest of my life wanting to uh, order the world and have control so I can actually be heard yeah, yeah. Uh, I think yeah. I've had that Tony as well and I think that's come stayed with me throughout my life so when I did a, a play at school you know, the first production I was in was Greece, and it wasn't because I wanted to really be an actor. I just wanted to be seen, and not seen as a peacock. Yeah. I just wanted to people to know, you know, oh, that's the kid from '43, or, yeah. or an idiot, or a simpleton. Yeah, or, uh, be- because because of that, we, we had a we had a bit of a family name based mainly from my dad and his behaviour, and I literally had doors slammed in my face as a kid. What do you mean by your dad and his behaviour? Well, he was a bit of a sort of, you, you know, he'd go out on the piss and he was a... A scrapper. He, scrapper. Yeah, he was a brawler and, Big time. you know, there'd be times when he'd go missing when I was a little kid and, you know, I didn't know where he'd gone, but he'd, he'd, be, he'd gone to Nick, you know, and... So there was all that growing up. And then growing up in the shadow of someone with that bigger reputation for, for violence and things like that. So the incident that you're talking about... Do you think that may have played into that, that there was assumption if there was bullying going on, it would be the son of the rough dad? We we had a lot of that. We, we were expected to be hard nuts as well, and, and me and my brother weren't really, but I created that carapace yes. for myself. Yes. I pretended I was a boxer. I told people I did boxing, so they just stayed away from me and left me alone. Yeah. I carried myself in such a way that I looked robust and yeah. that I could fight, but I was never that. So we've talked about that before. The, that thing that you do, uh, you do in youth. That the idea that you put on armor, uh, and that's what all the tattoos and muscles. That's all. That yeah. I think if 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 we were actually ourselves, we should look like the Bronte sisters. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I rather think so, than yeah. rather than this. Yeah. yeah, because you need to protect that. That thing that is, I saw in journeyman. That that transcendent. That beauty. That thing in you. As a child, you learn to protect it, and that's where all the holding goes on. That's where all the tightness comes in. Us. That's all. Yeah. The, we've both got taut personalities, and we and we have the, people react to us very similarly. Yeah. And they're reacting to that. Yeah, I think so, Tony. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's funny when yeah. we where we found each other. Right? Yeah. I think that's something that we share. How Every room we gets left side. Ten. More, more? Probably more. Probably Tony, more yeah. than that. I don't. But he was Paddy was one of those who I spotted straight away and knew him. I knew what I was looking at. Uh, yeah. And and he's also had that thing of... Because he'd been on the makeup trailer before me, and when I walked in, it was silent. And I knew he'd been in. <laughs> <laughs> when I met Tony John, I walked in to this little room, not much bigger than this, really, to meet the guy who was, we were playing partners in it. And he was slashed over a chair. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Say goodbye to performance-robbing engine deposits with Shell V-Power Nitro Plus Premium Gasoline. Hate to break it to you, but lower-grade fuel can leave deposits in your engine that build up over time and leave your engine's performance severely lacking. Thankfully, Shell V-Power Nitro Plus removes up to 100% of performance-robbing deposits with continuous use in gasoline direct injection engine fuel injectors. Download the Shell app today to find your nearest Shell station and rejuvenate your engine with Shell V Power Nitro Plus Premium Gasoline. Fuel up at Shell. Fucking... I don't know what you were rambling on about. He'd ate my lunch. <laughs> I went up for my... He'd ate it. And I'm like... And they're going, oh, this is Tony. He's playing, the, you know, your partner in it. And I was... I remember thinking, 
Oh fucking hell! Yeah. Oh, put me with. That was my first. And then he did nothing but talk, and I just sat there for ages. Going feeling as well. Fucking. <laughs> and some point during that time, I, I fucking loved. I, I fell in love with him. So I don't I know what that point. He's still waiting. Yeah, you haven't reached yeah, that yet. Yeah. Yeah. I'm waiting for the epiphany. It'll come. I'll happened. make you have it. Well, listen, Simpleton's a. A fascinating first word, and particularly with all the connotations behind the story that led to it. What's your second word? Yeah, my second word is expectation. Expectation. First use is around 1530s, a state or condition of waiting or awaiting with confident anticipation. An expectation, which is a belief that is centred on the future, it may or may not be realistic. And then a couple of quotes. The expectations of life depends upon diligence. The mechanic who perfects his work must first sharpen his tools. I'm not in the world to live up to your expectations and you're not in this world to live up to mine. That's Bruce Lee. This one's made really beautiful when you know it's from. My expectations were reduced to zero when I was 21 and everything since then has been a bonus. And that was Stephen Hawking. And then the last one, which had real resonance with me, is I can't think of anything worse, really, than trying to live up to someone else's expectations of what you should be. You don't make art by consensus. Tracy Chapman. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So why did you pick expectation? Because I think expectations have been part of my suffering in a way and not living up to them and not my own expectations of myself but other people's so has this come back to what you were saying about your dad and i never had pressure from my parents because we had nothing i mean we were literally raised on benefits you know my parents didn't even have jobs for most of my life so they never put any expectations on me whatsoever. Um, I could say to my mom, I'm, I think I'm going to fuck off to the moon next week. And, and she would just go, oh, well, make sure you wrap yeah. up warm. And w- w- yeah. <laughs> but they were, she, they were never staged mommy. There was nobody like me that had come through our family before, yeah. you know, even, even relatives. Yeah. For all the, the shit that we went through at times, you know, as a, as a family, I was never belittled by my aspirations, by my parents. They never told me to be realistic, get real or get a job, never. And that's one of the things I'll eternally love them for. It, didn't, it wouldn't matter to my mum what I was doing. That decision, you know, every parent wants the kids to be happy. The difference is most parents know for the kids what they should do to make them happy. They don't just say, I want you to be happy, find your own path. You'll be happy if you do this and you do that and you do that. And I know as a parent, I'm, I'm guilty of doing that at times. But from your point of view, when you brought the word out, and I'm thinking about your previous comments about people expecting you to be a certain way because yeah. of your dad, do you think having an expectation of your own children's life or, or, or what they can aspire to is different now for you because of the path that you've taken? Do you look at your own kids completely differently? Yeah, I do, because all I ever wanted to do with my own children was to show them another way mm. really that was it um how i find found the way is 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 kind of miraculous in many ways yeah uh, there's a lot of where i am today that i have i have no control of whatsoever it it happened and uh i'm grateful for that but with them all i wanted to do was show them a world that, that that they could be artists if they wanted to, that they could uh, be musicians yeah. or whatever they want to aspire to do. My, my eldest daughter kind of thinks she wants to do acting. Well, I'm like, okay, well, that's fine. I kicked that door open so you could go through it. Uh, um, there was no doors <laughs> where I was, you know what I mean? There, there was nothing. I was, like we said earlier, I was headed for the factory I, I'm not, I was never one of those guys that think oh, if I hadn't found acting I would have been in prison I was terrified of that kind of mm. shit mm. I watched Scum way too young and it fritted the fucking life out yes. of me yeah. and I went I'm not going down that route anyway and also if your dad's been through the doors you don't want to go through the same door no not at all no. I, I was thinking when you're talking Paddy, it's another uh, thing it occurred to me then because I'm I'm the same. I've had it said often in that in that you're a cuckoo, so there's, there are, there's no points of reference for anybody like you in the family. So where you are now, you've forged yourself. 
just mm. through sheer force of force of personality. You've and you've taken the slings and arrows, and I think that that's if listen if it all wraps up now, so we walked out of here and we get battled over. I think we could honestly say that, that you've created something beautiful in your children's uh, at the, into the future that they're about to walk into rather than one that's full of fear and anger and yeah 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 i would hope i would hope so yeah. i mean i would counter that by saying when you said you know i had no control over what happened to me and how i got it it was an accident that's bollocks isn't it do you think yeah because yeah. you had to turn up oh oh i know what you mean john yeah you, you know yeah, what i mean you have yeah, to, yeah. You, you're not a complete passive in no this. you had no. to be there the big thing sometimes when it's not your world is you're there waiting for someone to say, what are you doing here? Mm-hmm. You don't belong here. And then yeah. everything after that seems like a chain of events that's a little bit out of your control because, yeah. oh, wow, that happened, this happened, I got that. But you have to be there first. And that's why I was saying, if you take the expectation of, you know, his dad's rough, so his sons are going to be rough, looking for a new expectation of yourself and looking completely in the polar opposite direction to say, yeah. I want to be... Uh, I want to be an artist. I want to be an actor. I want to be a creative. Yeah, that's the, the, changing the expectation. Yeah, yeah but that's that's yeah, the bit. Yeah. That, that's the bit. But that's the bit, isn't it? I think that's what you're talking about. I, I think it's it's that. I don't think you've had a choice. No, you've had no choice. That's the difference. It's not that you've not done anything. You've done everything. Yeah, but it's not felt like a choice because this is what you are is completely vocational. Yeah, you're never going to be anything else other than what I'm looking at now. No, well, or, or the only the only variable was how it was going to be received. Yeah. Was it go- were you going to be seen? So that play when you played when he did Greece at school, you were seen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. that that moment, are you doing that? Who knows? Yeah, who knows without? But that? I know what you mean, John. Of course, you've got to turn up and and you've got to you've got to see the 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 gap and go through it. You know, the opening and go in, and you have got to show up and you've got to do the hard work. And yeah, anybody that thinks that I've just been given stuff, even Nothing. when I was given an opportunity, I made sure I delivered. So my first film role, even I delivered. Um, to the point where I was ill after it, you know, I, I gave it everything I had. So, so tell us about it. What was it? It was a film um, because I, I my first film that I did was um, a, a Shane Meadows film called A Room for Romeo Brass, and we'd met when we were like sixteen mm-hmm. years old at college and become friends, and then gone our separate ways. And he'd started making films, and I, like I said, I didn't really have any aspirations to be an actor, but he saw something in me, and so he just asked me, would I? take on this role and it all sort of grew from there really there was a sort of weird thing that happened to me when when i was in the audition room for romeo brass because i'd kind of got the part but i was auditioning 20 kids and i had to improvise something different with each kid and i don't know where i don't know where this was coming from i had no idea where this was coming from i'd never done this before I'd never experienced it. I'd never been in a, a kind of environment like this. But with each kid, I came up with different scenarios, dif- different improvisations, and it all just came and you flowing said, out. you said you made yourself feel. Because I was so committed to that part in that film. Um, I, j- I lost a lot of weight to play this kid, and, you know, it was my first experience of, of being on a film, so it really is it's just a like... Churning. It's a churning, yeah. isn't it? it's, it's a like churning. It's like a different world. Yeah, and I really did s- sleep and breathe that character in. Again, an overused phrase, probably in this room and by me, but it's uh, that you said you don't know where that came from. I mean, it's almost like in a religious an epiphany, but what that's, that's what's that ha- happened there is your essential nature's been revealed. Yeah. That's what's happening. So all the all the two plus two of life, all the tick and tock of the clock, all the got to got to did it, all that nonsense. Suddenly you go for fucking hell, what's and then you're in yourself, yeah, in and of yourself, and that's um, that's usually uh, um, equated with uh, an epiphany, a religious, you know, people suddenly, and it must feel like a a, a revelation to you. Yeah. And also, I would imagine, uh, maybe not, but I would imagine a little bit scary. So. Yeah, thought, well, I, I, what's this thing? I remember the, the the idea of the task being quite scary, um, and but while I was doing it, 
it was happening. But then, then it's that thing of like, oh, right, we're doing it again on yeah. Thursday, and and, yeah. and then mm-hmm. it all comes back into that thing of stage. Where I remember yeah. talking to you about the ferryman because my experience of stage has always been, uh, and that's why I don't do it. Fear, 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 yeah. crippling yeah. fear. I'm doing it. Elation off fear, fear, yeah. fear, fear, elation. Fear, fear, fear. And I talked to a doctor once about uh, actors' uh, adrenal glands. Yeah. And he said that uh, uh, actors, actors who work often and at a high level usually have the adrenal glands of a, like an 80 or 90-year-old. Really? Because you're firing them. You just fire. And it to be the same with, well, you're so laid back, you probably suspect you've got no <laughs> adrenal glands. But the... Well, you don't seem to. You seem to. You, you don't seem to. You don't seem to have that. I've seen you. So I've seen him walk on stage in front of ten thousand people. I have. I was. A, yeah. I've seen John at Nottingham yeah, yeah. Arena. And it's, yeah. But he doesn't like. There's doesn't like. There's any adrenaline firing, does it? No. Do you know what I mean? It looks like you're just sort of. It's that's your. <laughs> that's a, <laughs> it's a compliment. You can. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the most unexcited man in the world. Yes, no, don't yeah. see him gig. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if you want a you nap, have a nap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, Paddy, two great words. What? What's your third word? Oh, nostalgia. Nostalgia. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. All right. So this is uh, interesting. Interesting. So the definition, obviously, as we all understand it, is a bittersweet longing for things or persons or situations of the past. Looked into the etymology and it actually it comes from German for homesickness nostalgia. That's uh, its that's original. That's its original use. And the French term nostalgia is a French is in French army medical manuals in 1754, uh, and originally in reference to people from Switzerland and peculiar to them. But uh, there's actually in the first two years of a war in uh, the the American Civil War, there were reported two thousand six hundred cases of nostalgia, and thirteen deaths from this cause. These numbers apparently don't really describe the full extent to which nostalgia influenced the sickness and mortality of the army. Uh, and then I just it's fascinating. There's two quotes: one by Camus, who as one of my all-time heroes of my door, and one by Lou Reed. Camus said, and I think it's going back to essential nature again, every act of rebellion expresses a nostalgia for the innocence and appeal to the essence of being. And then the other one, Lou Reed, and I think this is certainly true in my case, I don't like nostalgia unless it's mine. Yeah, that's hell interesting. Of a, hell of a quote from Cameron, isn't it? You wouldn't expect a Brazilian football footballer to come up with that. Actually, was a goalkeeper, wouldn't he, Cameron? Anyway, so, so what what made you pick that? That's interesting. Yeah, those quotes were really interesting mm. too. I have a lot of uh, nostalgia, like episodes, I call them, and I can be uh, like six or however seven, eight years old again, and I can be in a room. And I can remember what the light was like, smell the smell, everything yeah. to to a very Full sort sense. of vivid. It's yeah. almost like the dead zone where you're in your own vision. So when you say nostalgia, you know we, we've got that as a word and as a feeling for something nice and warm to go back to. Do you have these moments where you remember childhood essences to an extent that's favourable, or or are they always is it nice nostalgia, or is it just I remember being in that room? Um, well, this is uh, the, all this stuff seems to be tying into the same thing to me a bit, yeah, John. You know, yeah, they do. Um, that's what happens. Just this week, actually, I, I I wasn't feeling so great, and I got in my car, and I live like fifteen minutes from the the estate that I grew up on, and I've got sisters that still live on there, and I will drive around it, past the places where I played, and you know, and think about friends, some who are, who are dead now, and think about all the characters. And I'll pull up outside my old house, and I'll look at the top right bedroom window where I used to sort of like dance in that window. I'd run home from school before the parents like left, dance. and I'd put the record player on. <clears throat> I'd play Adam and the Ants, and I'd dance in the window as they were walking up, so people would look up and wave at you and all that stuff. I do that quite a lot and I went to see my sister this week and I I walked with her to get my niece's kid from school and did the old walk and things like that and I think I never do these things to say look how far you've come now it's never anything like that I feel like I left something there it's interesting interesting to me particularly because um, 
I did that last week. Really? I really? Went, I went back to... I went to see my mum and dad uh, last week and they've moved off the estate where I spent my teenage years and, you know, unlike you, they lived 10 minutes away in a nicer, nicer part and, and, and I went and I... I don't know what made me do it. I drove round all the estates I used to hang around on and I, and I got out and I walked around a little bit and then I went past our house and my bedroom used to look at the front of the house and, and I stopped and like, and, like, and I've got a, a big Land Rover now mm-hmm. and, I, and I stopped and I, and I was just taking a moment then I could see the curtains twitching the woman who's now living in the house looking out and I thought oh my god a big Land Rover on our estate's not a car that no. you want parking outside the house. <laughs> <laughs> a big blacked out Land yeah. Rover. People yeah. they're probably going, who the fuck's that? So, yeah. I, so yeah. I got off. But I, I remember that, that, like you say, those little bits that I, I thought I forgot of yeah. stuff, of what it looked like looking through that glass on the that other way. side. Yeah, of on it. the other side, yeah. Can, can yeah. I ask you both, because I've had similar experience. My experience of nostalgia, you going back to yours, John, looking at that window and thinking about which side of the glass you're on, mm. I don't think it's something you can hold on to no. for too long. I, I, I spend a bit of time there. I, 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 and, I and I think it, I know what it is. I, I just so, I long so much to be that kid again. Why? Because everything seemed so much more simpler. I, I was just in my own little world then. I could but, escape into. Do you want to help him when you go back? Did you yeah, want, do you I want, want him. You want to help. You want to love him, right? Yeah, do, yeah. And do you want to tell him you're going to be all right? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Just so that's exactly what I do. Yeah, I but I think yeah. that's what everyone does. Everyone, yes. Everyone's looking back and yeah. and thinking people who have made a success in whatever form you deem success wants to look back and say to that kid, you know, it'll be all right, particularly mm. if you've changed your life. But for you, it seems you're saying that you want to go back because it was better, almost like you're saying it. it you wanted, you, you said a phrase then about being, it was simpler, it was nicer, you almost yeah. knew more who you were then than yes. who you are now. Yes. And that I find strange yeah. because who you are now Every day is a great day when you're not worrying about your appliances and home systems. And that's what you get with an American Home Shield warranty. With American Home Shield, you can protect your home and wallet from unexpected breakdowns like leaky faucets or faulty water heaters or wonky thermostats. Now that's something to celebrate. When it comes to protecting your appliances and home systems, don't worry, be warranty. For 20% off plans, Go to ahs.com slash Wondery. For more details, see ahs.com slash contracts for coverage details, including limit amounts, fees, limitations, and exclusions. Is who you aspire to be then? Yeah, but it's it's like that, isn't it? It's not... that there's, there's I lived in a house where it was literally like the madness song, you know. It was... There's something going off all the time, Um and it, uh, particularly when we were really young, I mean, I grew up in a house where there was a lot of dysfunction, violence, and um, but there was also a lot of laughter, a lot of really good crack, you know, and, and really great times where I, I look back so fondly at certain points of it. Do you still have your mum and dad now? No, they're, they're dead. And yeah. did you resolve it? Did you have to resolve anything with your dad before he went to your mum? Oh no, no, I never really did re- re- resolve anything with them, really. Um, but was there a need to? Yeah, uh... maybe there was. Yeah, maybe there was. The only way I've tried to do it is to do it through mm-hmm. storytelling, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And then in the first film I made, in particular, Tyrannosaur, and then through songs that I write. Um, I sort of go over that ground a lot, but no, I never did. I never did. I I, t- I take the back room of our house, and I remember like Sundays would be top forty. There'd be uh, trifles, jelly, cake on the table. Mamad sat in one chair, you know, and there'd be like must have been about fifteen, twenty kids from the street, all in and out, sat on the shed roof. It felt amazing. Yeah. And I think, what was so special about that time? And I remember looking at my mom and going, that's my mom. Yes. And she looked beautiful. She was a big yeah. lady, my mom, but she sat there and I thought, that's my mom. And then my dad came back from wherever he'd been. I don't know. I couldn't tell you where that was at the time. And it changed. And I saw her change. 
and I think I didn't realise this until I was an adult. I went, as much as I loved him, he brought such a cloud to this house. Because mm. I remember the same room some years later when I was doing some English homework because I'd found an English teacher that had taken an interest in my writing. So I just wrote for her. Yes. I just wrote that's, for her. And that's what I meant about the child being yeah. still active in you. That's what I'm saying. The filmmaking, the storytelling, yeah. yeah. all that is that active child in you. Yeah. Whereas most people bury the child, leave the child, have a sort of, uh, don't have that connection yeah. to the child where the, the child in you informs your art. It's really clear. Yeah, yeah. it does. It does. Yeah. And I, I remember being in that same room years later and I'm writing and my mum came in the room and she went, Paddy, your dad's on the piss. You know, come up to bed. Get out of the way. And I said, I will in a minute. And I was so engrossed in this story, I didn't even know. Two hours had gone, the latch went. And he came in. And he, he got me up against the wall and was belting me round the head, asking me to fight him back, fight him back. And all the while he's hitting me round the head. And I was kind of going, I can't fight this guy. He's taking fucking half a dozen men on and took him to the cleaners. You know, yeah. he's cleared yeah. pubs. Yeah. And that came through in Tyrannosaur. There's a scene with Olivia, and I was directing her, saying, look at your hands, look at your hands. That's what you did. All you had to do was stand up to him. And that's me. Yes. Just sort of going, just fucking hit him, hit him. And yes. I, I dare Because yes. if I, I, I'm, I'm 14 years old, if I don't knock this fucking guy out, I'm dead. But all the time he was hitting me, all I could see was my um, paper and pen Cold on the work. thing and just thinking I want to get I just want to get back to the fucking story yeah. I just want to get back to my story and it just felt like at every step there were these obstacles but I, I fucking loved him yeah I still love him it seems to a lot of people to hear that it, it would be it'd be amazing yeah but it comes right back to to your other words as well expectation there's an element of your mum knew what was happening. It's going to come back. She's expecting this reaction. You're probably expecting it yourself because you've been taught that that's what's going to happen. Yeah. He matched your expectations, so it's no surprise. So why should that get in the way of your love? And I'll look at that, though, and I'll go, but he, but he, he wasn't really belting me, and I wasn't bleeding, and it was... It oh, was, you'll negotiate around. Yeah, 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 of, course, you do, you yeah of course you do. But I had, I had really good laughs with my dad. Yes. But I was—I look at it now, and I was probably the closest to him. I'd kiss him, I'd lie on him as a kid, on his belly, he'd go up and down. I'd read books to him, and um, I look at it and I go, "But no, I was absolutely fucking terrified of him," mm -hmm. and that's the truth. Mm -hmm. So the house seems that the happiness was in your mother. Yeah, it's a—it's a strange thing, that isn't it? Where that—that that seems natural, normal. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That 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 plays on so many stereotypes that people have. That we're class families, the mother does Nurture. does the food on yeah. a Sunday, she nurtures, she's happy, yeah. she protects the kid, and the drinking violent dad comes home and ruins everything. Yeah. Yeah. For you now as a father, this is obvious lessons that you learn from that. But as a father, can you understand your own father anymore? Or do you just think he's so alien to who I am as a person? I think me and my brother both so desperately not yeah. wanted to not become that. It, yeah. That's why I said yeah. it, because there's so many... It's almost a parody that if you know if your dad goes to prison, you'll go to prison. There's, there's, a, there's a line of expectation that's passed on. But there's also so many kids who go, no, yeah. I'm not well, going to be you. And because you are yes. you... I'm going to be so much the, a better version. When the yeah. template of masculinity is that clearly delineated to a child, when that's what you see, that's how you see masculinity, yeah. fatherhood, your dad. When you see that, I think you're absolutely right, John. That gives you something really tangible. To uh, it sets you off, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah. it? Pushes you, you on a, in a certain on a certain pathway yeah. because you've got something. And then, uh, did you get that thing as you were getting older, and you start to see other families and think, oh. That's not how it is for everyone. Oh, when I met my wife, yeah, yes. I was 18 years old. And when I first went round her house and I was sat with her, her mum and dad, it, it kind of blew my mind. I bet it did. But I think that, that with my dad in particular, I, I wonder, you know, why... I have, a, I have a lot of anxiety around men. And yeah. I have a lot of anxiety of even walking down the street and saying hello to people. Yeah. I, I have a lot of that. Yeah. If is, there's a delivery at the door, you know, ding dong, and I'm not thinking, oh, fucking hell. Because yeah. I've got to, or builders in my house, or that's, window cleaners. That's, that's I'm just it. like. Bristle. You, bristle. You, mean, you mean machismo? It, or just. It, it, it's, it's, 
I have I have sort of anxiety. But, and I but, turn but, into but you this also sort of have this. Is, I know this strong interest in boxing, which couldn't be a more masculine. Well, that's obvious, isn't it? It's brisk. That's a that's that's obvious. You said that as a kid, you're pretending to be a boxer. Yeah, yeah. Because that's a template. So, and I've seen you around men. I think I've got it. You bristle. Yeah, yeah. You bristle around men. Of course you do. But if you if if you've got your dad in front of you, it's, it, it's repeatedly saying "hit me, fucking hit me," you're gonna have a relationship with men, aren't you? Yeah. And violence. And you're gonna you're gonna try to find a way to contextualise it, and boxing is uh, is the the obvious way to contextualise it. Mm-hmm. It's controlled. You can it's something you can have an interest in. So I think that the, your rela- uh, love of boxing is tied into into that. It's a uh, it's a, it's a moderation of of that that was right in front of you. Yeah, could be. Mm-hmm. Fantastic words. Um, no, I'm. Uh, I'm just. I'm absorbing a lot of what you've said, and that self awareness when you say I've, I, I bristle around men. Mm. I I get that in terms of you know there's an expectation and what you should be, and and I I get it. I mm. I, I, I mm. totally understand what you're saying. Mm. Yeah. What would be the word that you wish you would never hear again? <laughs> I don't know if it's a word I'd never hear again. Maybe I've, I've not played by the rules there, but I think I've chosen the word genius. I just think it's his... Overused. People just overuse it. Devalued means yeah, nothing. Yeah, it's devalued it to kind of next to nothing. Now. Yeah. You, you can fart it's in a cup and be a genius. Sends me to a rage. Well, yeah. to be fair, <laughs> farting in a cup is harder than what you think. I don't know if you've tried it. Well, but... I've tried farting in a milk bottle. <laughs> yeah. oh. Genius! Yeah. All right, then tell me... Tell me now, is is a good good, and you may not need to name names. Give me an example where it's overused and where it's appropriately used. I just think it's overly used in the day to day. Everything's genius. Yeah. Everyone's a genius. You you make a film, you're a genius. You did not just me, but any random person is a genius. I hear it used so much on film sets. Yeah. Just because the director plays with a fucking pencil and looks yeah. like he's thinking a lot, he's yeah. a genius. It's yeah. just the overuse of it the all the time of it. yeah the bullshit right. whereas i feel like moments are genius it's what we're and some people get it more than others of course they do it's transient but it's that transient thing right. it, it travels through there's moments of genius i think or there's moments of creativity that that hit an individual and, and like i say some people are gifted more with that with those visitations if you like but yeah. um yeah. So I find that yeah, genius is something that's fleeting. I think that you, you it's been devalued, right? But the, the, yeah, the use of it just completely devalues it. Uh, yeah, yeah, because it's a rare and unquantified. Because I think years ago they used to call it your demon, then, and then yeah, people yeah. had this understanding that their demon would come in the form of creativity and give them inspiration. But the problem started when people started thinking that they. With the they genius. are, they are, yeah, the, yeah. In, in yeah. Their they, they are and then the when genre. it's not coming to them, people, you know, topping themselves in all sorts because yeah. they couldn't. They're not the genius they thought they were. Yeah. Well, Paddy, that's a good way to finish on three great words: simpleton, expectation, nostalgia, and genius is overused. Yeah, I'll accept that. I, I mean, it's, it's nearly midday, and no one's called me it today. I would expect it by four. Uh, yeah, <laughs> at least we've not seen you fart in a, in a cup yet. Yeah, you wait, have you a look wait. at that, and then you we'll can't have, see what I've been holding in. Then we'll have a, then we'll have a think about it. Paddy, yeah. thank you for your yeah, time. I've I, really yeah. enjoyed, and it's also dead interesting because I've not seen you from afar, and I know you're mates with Tony, but I've seen you through professionally. It feels funny. To have known you and felt that I've known you and now know you. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. And I just want I, to say thanks for coming in because I know. Yeah. I know. No, yeah, I love yeah, it. Yeah. I love the podcast. Thanks. I'll return oh, no. tell you, I've listened to every one. So. Yeah. No, uh, thanks for coming in, mate, because I know. Yeah, thank yeah. you. No, <laughs> thank no, you're a genius. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to say about that because Paddy's obviously been your mate and I've known him from afar. Uh, but what. What, what a great person to spend some time with and it just felt like there was more and more layers more and more stories yeah he's um, he's what my my family would call a deepen Paddy he's got that thing inside him he's got that constant wrestling himself and he's uh, well he's a beautiful soul he's an amazing actor it's just that eternal frustration with Paddy where he he can't see the glory in himself that um that's all too evident to everybody else. So no, and it was really strange that he's not met you. And I'm glad that he did. And I got a, we got a chance to um, 
to listen to him. I think he's uh, he's a brilliant man. I think he's a genius. Mm. I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as John and I obviously did. Don't forget to subscribe, follow, share and like. And uh, just remains to say a massive thank you to our meat-free sponsor, Quorn. Super protein, super tasty. Behind every successful business is a story, and some of them might surprise you. Like how Chobani's first yogurt factory was discovered on a piece of junk mail, or how the founder of the multi-million dollar cosmetics brand Drunk Elephant was told by everyone, including her own mother, that the name sounded like a dive bar. I'm Guy Raz, and on my show How I Built This, I talk to founders behind the world's biggest companies and brands to learn the real stories of how they built them. In each episode, you'll hear entrepreneurs share moments of doubt and failure and talk about how they were able to overcome them on their way to the top. How I Built This is like a masterclass in innovation and creativity, a how-to guide for navigating life's challenges from the people who've done it all. Follow How I Built This on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to How I Built This early and ad-free right now on Wondery Plus.